So, the cats were playing in the Christmas tree today. That doesn't sound good. Yeah, we're going to need another one. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome. Yes, to another sparkling edition of Gear Related, a peek under the hood of the automotive repair industry with myself, Heather, and myself, Benjamin. Benjamin. Benjamin, as you know, (laughs) in preparation for today's podcast, I've been doing a little uh, research of the film kind. Oh, okay. Been watching some conspiracy movies. Oh, good. Conspiracy theory, of course. Got to throw a little JFK in there. <laughs> the, the grassy knoll? <laughs> yes. And then, of course, Da Vinci Code. Where's life without Tom Hanks and the Illuminati? Come on. Oh, yeah. I hope that the intrigue that we're, we are to experience today is of that caliber. I hope so, too. You know, and I'm, to be honest, I'm a little worried about it because it might all be in my head. I'm pretty sure that's all the best conspiracy theories are all in your head. Yeah, I I mean, but it's it's alarming. Uh, And put it to you that way, Um, it's very alarming. All right. Well, the the research that that I've conducted, and uh, so I wanted to share it on the podcast. It's going to be a bit technical, though, so I need your help with that. If you if I say something that is just bonkers, uh, I technical have got that down. Just rein me in. Well, I'll do the best I can. Okay. So I'm just going to jump right into it. Please do. We're, we're probably going to call this episode The Great Oil Consumption Conspiracy. Dun, dun, dun. Right? Very nice. Hey, do you think we can get Mel Gibson to play you on this, the movie part of this? Uh, is he good looking enough? Ooh. <laughs> Continue. Okay. Uh, so... For those of you who don't know what oil consumption is, it is the amount of oil that gets burned or used in between oil changes, which you would hope is not that much, right? Right. At least at least as much as you have in the car. Right. But if you go all the way back to our podcast that we talked about oil change intervals and we talked about that Mini Cooper that was it was quote unquote normal to burn uh, one quart of oil for every 750 miles. Oof, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of excessive, right? But this is kind of what we're talking about, because we are seeing this more and more and more. Wait, seeing what? Oil consumption. Like increased amounts of consumption? Across all facet of automobiles. Whoa. Yeah, it's kind of like eyebrow raising, right? What's going on here? Well, right, because at this point, I don't even really think about that because I assume that my oil change intervals intervals will keep me safe. Yeah. Yeah. You would think so. And it it should be so. Um, But uh, what kind of prompted this is uh, we had a car come into the shop um, and it wouldn't start. And we come to diagnose that the reason it wouldn't start is because the engine had seized. Oops. Yeah. Now, I'm going to give you some numbers here. This was a a 2010 um, Buick LaCrosse. Okay. 124,000 miles 
well, 124,290 miles if we're going to be precise. And let's, okay. be, let's be precise. So that's, that's on the higher end. Okay. That's, that's when we changed the oil. Okay. So about 125. About 124. Yeah, about 124. Okay. The current mileage on the car is about 129. Okay, so we've gone 5,000. Exactly 5,073 miles since the last oil change. So we should be okay. The oil change interval on this particular car is 7,500 miles. Now okay, it, so we're way okay. It is logic-based, so that will vary a little bit, but it should be around 7,500 miles. Okay. It was down four quarts of oil. Oops. And we'd only gone 5,000 miles on this oil, oil so change. So had they not like checked this, they could have a boo-boo engine. They no, did it, have a boo-boo it engine. Is, That's yeah, what I'm it saying. It is a boo-boo engine. Four quarts oil low. I, I felt really bad for this guy because he did everything right. Right. Uh, and still, we have a bad engine. So that's kind of what prompted all this research. Okay. I mean, we've been dealing with this kind of stuff for a while now. And I, I don't know. I guess this particular one just set me over uh, the edge and I went tumbling down the rabbit hole. Yes. So I want to introduce you to an engine that you're going to be seeing more and more in vehicles today. Okay, so this is a new a new It's not exactly new, but it's just you're it, it, we're going to see it more. It's in, it's becoming more prevalent. Okay. And this is called the GDI uh, engine. Oh. Which GDI. stands for I would say gaseous domineering insects. That's a pretty good guess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, GDI stands for gasoline direct injection. And then you have TGDI, which is turbo gasoline direct injection. Yeah, get the turbo. Now, what is GDI? What GDI is, is essentially they've taken the fuel injector and they've moved it. It used to put fuel right at your intake valve and the intake valve would open and the air would push that fuel into the, the combustion chamber. Okay. Now what they're doing is they... They've taken the fuel injector and screwed it directly above the cylinder and made it high pressure so that when the, the uh, compression stroke is coming on the engine, they have enough pressure to squirt the fuel mixture directly into the chamber. So are, we're bypassing that intake valve then? The reason we're doing this, uh, well, <laughs> the reason manufacturers are doing this is they can actually achieve better volumetric efficiency. Now, don't ask me what volumetric efficiency is. It doesn't matter. It's the lab coat guides again. Basically, the reason they're doing this is they can get more power out of a four-cylinder engine than they can out of a six-cylinder engine. Oh, okay. And this is all coming from the EPA demands on better fuel economy, better fuel economy. We need to do more with, with less. less, okay? Across so, every, every place. And you're going to hear some paper rustling for one time in, in our podcast because I have lots of, lots of research. He to has got yeah. copious notes, folks. So your car doesn't have GDI right now. Who cares? Why are we talking about this? Uh, and the, let's see, the... Global market practice leader for IHS Automotive. IHS is Information Handling Services. I got all kinds of uh, acronyms. There's just so many people with their fingers in the pot. (laughs) So they're doing doing a study on these GDI engines. And here's what they say. By 2024, after consulting with automakers, 
IHS predicts eight out of 10 cars produced in America will be equipped with TGDI and GDI engines. Eight okay. out of 10. So we got four years. Yikes. Well, yeah, it's all that to say that we're going to be seeing these things a right. lot more. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, these GDI engines, because the because of the way they run, they run hotter, they increase soot, in, in fuel dilution, They're, they've got higher cylinder pressure. The temperatures are higher. Basically, these engines, they, they just, they're more demanding. So they're th- harder. They wear out that these engine parts faster. Does that, I mean, soot seems like it would gum up the works. And- well, and let's circle back to, to our oil consumption problem. Right. So these engines, Due to the high, uh, the high increased temperatures and, and pressures, they're really hard on these oils, and these oils are breaking down faster. So they didn't, they didn't like create an oil that would be better in these engines. They just said, "Hey, this is what we've got. Let's just use this." And now we're sort of seeing well, the fallout. See, here's where the conspiracy comes into play. Ah. We don't know. See, the big question here is: Did they develop an engine that they didn't have an oil? that was capable of lubricating it or, or did they create an engine and the oil manufacturers or whatever said, yeah, this oil will be fine. I don't know. We'll, we'll get to <laughs> that. <Yeah. laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, so I wanted to give you a quote from his name is Matt Dickmeyer. And this was a, who is Matt Dickmeyer? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Thank you. So he's he's that he's that guy that's smarter than everyone else. Ew, I hate that guy. Except <laughs> no, no, for no, you, no, Mike. Good, Mike, I like in you. In a good way. It's uh, for example, this was a this was an article in Engine Building magazine. So they wanted to talk to somebody about these GDI engines and he's the kind of guy that you talk to about this kind of stuff. Expert he's kind of like guy. Like the only guy. Right. Okay. Well, I don't know if he's the only guy. He's but he's a he's definitely a good source of information. So um, I want well, this is what he says about GDI engines. What happens with the direct injection engine is you're squirting that liquid fuel into the cylinder. It gets on the cylinder walls and absorbs into the oil. What happens during the combustion event is that oil on that cylinder wall contains gasoline, so it ignites and burns off. That's why a lot of direct injection engines are experiencing significant oil consumption and flash burns in the cylinder. So these oil consumption problems are mostly, and this is not in all cases, but a lot of them are attributed to these specific engines that we're going to see a lot more of. Okay. And so so we've got this coming down the pike. Hey, these engines are coming. And I'm not hearing you addressing, hey, this is the new oil for <laughs> the engines. Yeah. Uh, you know, before we get to that, oh, I, gosh. Um, I I, I, this idea that oil consumption is normal is what's so mind-boggling to me because it is a problem, but all the manufacturers, what are they saying? It's completely normal for an engine to experience what I would consider excess oil consumption to occur. Well, wait, is this why we started getting these synthetic oils to try to stop that process? Well, oil development uh, for synthetics has been uh, coming long before GDI engines were around. But we're always trying to make the bigger and better best thing. But synthetic-based oils are 
almost always used in these engines because of the uh, right. the, uh, the detergents and the so things smart. that they need. Yeah, I'm so smart about cars. So we got all these manufacturers saying oil consumption is normal mm-hmm. to up to what? That Mini Cooper that we talked about way back when, 750 miles, one quart of oil. Yeah, that's not normal. I think it's excessive, but I'm not the only one. Oh, of course Do not. Do you know who else thinks uh, this kind of consumption is uh, excessive? Who? Please to tell. Consumer Reports. Yes. <laughs> God, we had the big guns now. Yeah, so to quote the uh, Consumer Reports, here you go. The oil change industry has long prescribed changing your oil every 3,000 miles. In recent years, most automakers have stretched that to 7,500 or even 10,000 miles because refinements in engine manufacturing and oil technology purportedly allow engine oil to last longer. For some automakers, though, that appears to be an optimistic claim. They say it so pretty, don't they? You know, actually, my favorite part about this article is the title of it. Let me read you the title of this article. Excessive oil consumption isn't normal. (laughs) Dun, dun. (laughs) And the the subtitle, automakers say adding oil between scheduled changes is acceptable. It's not. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Dun, dun. Yeah, you know, and I've just, I'm reading this and I'm the, I'm just, thank God I'm not the only one out there who thinks this is kind of ridiculous. I, I guess my question is like, okay, so who, are they just trying to sell us more cars after these ones? The engine <laughs> takes a dive? Like, Well, the reason I wanted to talk about this so much is that nobody's talking about this. Just you, Benley. Yeah. <laughs> I am a pioneer. There are a lot of people in our industry that are talking about well, it. Well, Consumer Reports. Consumer just... Reports. Is, actually, that's the, that's the sad part about that. This article was written in 2015. So this issue Whoa. has been going on for years. And yet nothing. Nobody's addressing it. Not the auto manufacturers, not the oil companies, at least not to the public. Nobody's right. well, saying no, we're no, going to no. fix this problem. Oh, no. If the public doesn't know there's a problem, you know, don't don't make yeah, waves. Yeah, and, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, but let's <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about how big of a problem it is. Uh, I'm just gonna number. Uh, I'm just gonna list off some manufacturers here that currently have class action suits or have oh. had class action suits due to oil consumption See, problems. This is where people are following you throwing names out there go for it do it do all it, right do it. here we go and this is all public knowledge just you know what if you want to do this yourself just google oil consumption class action Section. lawsuits okay. you'll get honda toyota subaru audi volkswagen general motors bmw volvo chrysler ford geez that's like almost all of them almost all of them i won't say which one's not on there but it's my car Oh, I said Toyota. Shoot! (laughs) (laughs) So that begs the question, what is going on, right? What is the problem? Is this engine oil just inferior? Is it inadequate? Is it incorrect? Are we using the wrong oil in the wrong cars? And manufacturers have actually gone away from using the uh, national – the – the registry that oil oil companies use, like, I don't want to throw too many more acronyms out yeah, there. Yeah, that's but, a lot. It's yeah. too many. 
that they're starting to recommend specifications on their own oil so that when you go and change your oil at the Jiffy Lube or the Valvoline or at Schoen Auto or wherever it is that you go to get your oil change or if you do it yourself, you're not looking for the correct weight and viscosity of oil. What you're looking for is the manufacturer's specifications for their oil. That's what you want to be using. Right. And to give you kind of an idea of uh, where this is all headed that uh, they're releasing a new standard of oil next year. It's called GF6. Obviously, the last one was GF5. But they they know this is a problem. And okay, well, that's good. So, well, is this does this mean that they are addressing the problem? They're trying to. But what okay. they're not doing is is admitting that there is a problem. Oh, so they're just kind of saying, oh, la, la, it's time for an upgrade. Here it is. Do you like how when I talk about they, I give them that voice? <laughs> well, isn't that how isn't that how all they they's sound? sound like that, or they sound like <laughs> yeah? Um, you know, I, I want to just throw one thing out there um, that that I found too. Europe is not experiencing the same problems. Wait, what? Same cars? Yeah. Same engines? They're not experiencing the same amount of problems that we are in North America. Is it because of universal health care? <laughs> you know, I didn't look into that. <laughs> so this is from an article by uh, Bob Shabbat. He's with uh, Motor Magazine. Oh, yeah. He ah. was following up on this. Um, bear with me as I turn some pages here. Yes. Just vamp for me. Ba-dum, ba-dum, bam, bam, ba. That's okay. All I got. So, in regards to European automakers, in the European Union, the European Automobile Manufacturers Association, or ACEA, is the main lobbying and standards group. They're not because they're not experiencing these same problems. We were like, well, why is that? European synthetic motor oils formulated to ACEA specs use different base oils than their North American synthetic and even full synthetic counterparts. Wait, so can we just get the European oil? Oh, wait, but Marika doesn't like that. Actually, no, you can. Oh, okay. Um, for for those of you, who, I'm just going to plug my own shop because why not? <laughs> we <laughs> The synthetic oil that, that we use is ACA uh, specified. We, we, we gave up a long time ago on trying to figure out the specific weight and viscosity. We just went with what does the manufacturer want in the car? That's what we're going to put in it. Okay. It's, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I followed up with Bob Chabot cause I had, uh, or, uh, and I'm sorry, Bob, I'm not sure if it's Bob Chabot or Bob Shabbat, but anyway, I just wanted to thank you personally for the information that you gave me. Cause I'm sure he's listening right now. I hope so. I think he is. Um, so I had some questions about this new GF6 oil and, and, you know, more, more to the point, what the manufacturers, uh, knew about this, when they knew about it, when they found out that this oil was not. The well, GF5 oil was not good enough. Before 2015, clearly. So here's, here's Bob's response. I have asked a number of automakers and oil manufacturers myself. The questions approach legal issues. Specifically, when I have asked an automaker or oil manufacturer if, when, or what shortcomings the GF5 oil they knew of, they've declined to answer such questions on the record. Mm-hmm. But it is those types of questions that led to some U.S. automakers first talking to me about being headed toward making specific 
lubricant recommendations for their vehicle engines like some European car makers do. Okay. So, again, nobody's owning up to this, so nobody knows if it's manufacturers for automakers, manufacturers oil. Nobody knows who's to blame. Everybody knows that there's a problem, though, at least in the industry. But nobody's telling the public about this. Right, and it doesn't sound like everybody's blaming each other because they're just not acknowledging the issue. Right. Wow. So nobody knows what they know. Somebody knows, though. They. (laughs) They know. Those they. Uh, And the other question I asked him is, uh, I asked Bob, I said, given the unusual rate of failures due to inferior oil, are you aware of any legal pursuits taken by consumers regarding this specific issue? Now, this was before I researched all the class action uh, lawsuits, and here's, here's what he said. The repair cost to engines related for less than adequate GF5 for some GDI and TGDI engines have been substantial. And my opinion here, if more consumers were aware of the impact of GF5 on such engines in their vehicles, we may have seen or will see in the future legal action. Okay, so so uh, you said a lot of letters. Give me that in just so... Consumers aren't aware of the problem. If they become more aware of the problem and and the knowledge that this is the engine type that they have, that could have potentially caused the issue. There could be more right. legal action. Now let's just let's just take all this in, and I'm going to recap some stuff. So what we know is GDI engines, TGDI engines, are known for oil consumption, increased oil, consumption. increased oil consumption. We also know we're going to be seeing a lot more of these engines. So an increase in increased oil consumption. Correct. If we don't come up with, uh, if if they haven't developed an oil to stop this problem, and I don't know if they have or not. Well, Europe has, why why is this hard? (laughs) A lot of people are driving around in these cars, and here's why. Wait, am I driving around in this car? Your car does not have uh, direct injection. Sorry, sorry, all you guys people (laughs) with your... Insect engines, and then you could research this. Just Google uh, Google your car, and you can ask, and I'm sure uh, you'll find some information on that. But this all comes back to oil change intervals. We have to, not not us. We're trying to educate the public on what's been on what's going on, and that's hard to do, especially when manufacturers are telling people that it's okay to go 7,500, 10,000 miles on this oil, and it's not okay to do that. So can I be a little devil's advocate here? Absolutely, please do. I don't know if it's really devil's advocate, but you know, I know that a lot of times, and we've talked about this, I talk about this with you know other people, friends, coworkers. We don't do anything on our cars anymore. I take them to you. I take them to a professional. I don't, I mean, I know how to do some of this stuff because my father dutifully showed me but there's a lot of people who don't know how to do the simple things like check their oil and it sounds like to me maybe we should get back in the habit of that especially if you have this engine because otherwise you could be like this poor Buick sitting there with needing a brand new engine in a 10 year old car yeah you know and that that's that's what the manufacturers are telling their consumers now is that uh, it is normal for your engine to consume oil, and it is your responsibility, and not only uh, uh, your responsibility to check the oil, but it's also your responsibility to pay for the oil 
in between oil changes. But see, that's not the message I don't think that's getting across because the message that I'm hearing is that, oh, I don't have to change my oil for 5,000 to 7,500 miles because, woo, I've got the new latest and greatest. But then there's this dark underbelly of a story where the oil consumption's increased and I could lose my engine, my car. Yeah, Uh, and... Just to just to give you an example, Audi uh, recommends that uh, the customer, and this is from Audi, the customer always have a spare quart of engine oil in case the engine oil needs topping off while on the road. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. So B- this is my favorite, though. I've uh, never, I mean, never have heard that. BMW outlines such consumption as part of its manufacturer specifications. You can even purchase a traveling case for oil to affix Aww. in the car's trunk. Oh, that's nice of them to provide such astute advice. Yeah, I bet you that traveling cl- that traveling case of oil will have that BMW symbol right on there so oh, it looks yeah. official and everything. Oh, you got to. Ha- I mean, because they need the money from that. Purchase. The bottom line, uh, again, I don't want to freak anybody out. The bottom but line to this is... be aware. <laughs> in 2020, they're coming out with GF6. Let's hope that this is much better than GF5, but... Until that time, let's just start using the correct oil in our engines based on the manufacturer's specs and not what what you think is okay. Not your 530s, your 1030s. Obviously, you want to use the weight uh, and viscosity that they're recommending, but make sure it meets your manufacturer's specifications too. And you find that in your owner's manual. You do. Or you can talk <laughs> to your friendly local mechanic. And they will fill you in on what you need to know. And... If you do plan on using the manufacturer's recommendations as far as interval is concerned, make sure you're checking your oil in between. Yeah, because clearly. Because we are losing oil in between these intervals, and I am, hey, I'm with the Consumer Reports on this one. It is not normal. No, and it's not okay. We're just so out of the practice of checking our oil that I can foresee this being a real issue. Like, so, so... You said this Buick came in. Yeah. When was that? Uh, this would have been, we're going on two weeks, two, two to three weeks ago. Okay. So in the past, so, I mean, have you seen any other cases of this? Actually, that week, um, we had two engine failures oh in that week. Um, and engine failures, that's not the only thing we're seeing. We're seeing timing chains getting stretched to the point where they're breaking. Oh, that's an expensive fix. We're seeing turbos failing. Oh, no. We're asking engine oil to do so much more than it used to do, and we're saying it's okay to not change it for eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 miles? Yeah. I, that just logically doesn't, yeah. doesn't work out. So on that sunny note, what did you think of the great oil consumption conspiracy? That was a pretty good one. I mean, there wasn't the guy in the de- book depository, but, I, <laughs> you know, this, I, yeah. I just wish, stuff. like, I'll never know who knew what and when they knew it, but I can tell you that they've been developing GF6 oil since 2012. So, basically, we've got 2024 is when this 80% of our vehicles will have this, so they've got a couple of years to see if to this figure this out w- number six i can't remember all your gf6 dang little, yeah. dang little letters <laughs> but to see if that's gonna 
be worth it. I just see what just blows my mind is can't we just say, hey, Europe, <laughs> I love your food, much of your landscape, and your oil. Can we just please, <laughs> please to share your oil? Right. Yeah. Or at least, you know, the, um, the patents behind it, you know, give us a little love here. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just give us a formula. I mean, share the Coke. <laughs> yeah. Co- that's coca-cola there folks coca-cola. well listen it was all one and the same back in <laughs> the day true i think this would be a great time to wrap this up and yeah i i hope everybody um got something out of this or you know didn't get too lost but please if you have questions about this or follow-ups or you know what if you're i'd love to hear from you if your car consumes oil Let's just do a, a straw poll here. I, I, I want to know how big of a problem this actually is. Hit us up on the Twitter. You know what else I want to know? What's that? I want more. I want more conspiracies. You want, you want more conspiracies? I want, I want the loony stuff. Come on, people. <laughs> yeah, let us, let us know what other back alley stuff is going on in the automotive industry. Yeah. Also, you know, things where you tried to fix it in a weird way. <laughs> maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. I don't know. Hit us up, Schoen Auto. That's S-C-H-O-E-N Auto. And again, thank you to Bob Chabot for reaching um, uh, for reaching out to answer my questions about this conspiracy. And uh, if, in such a well thought out and like eloquent way, too. Well, I suppose that's why he's a journalist, and yeah. and you and I are podcasters. He knows the words. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I, I would not put me on the same level. <laughs> Anywho, I hope y'all have a lovely week, y'all. And hope you had a great holiday, too. Yeah. Yeah.